the two genders <laughs> of podcasts specifically. <laughs> awesome. That's uh, funny. Man. You're very funny man. and handsome and in cool and so sweet. Uh, I will pay you for that later, but yeah. that was good. That was All good. Right. It's me, Coptony Pace Tana. <laughs> Oh, I really wanted to sneak that in when I fade everything in. Welcome back to the Silent Podcast. I'm here, Silence. I'm here on a quest to interview people whose IQ are at least 50 points higher than mine. Hello, sir. That's concerning. To- <laughs> That's a concerning <laughs> statement. <laughs> what do you think I am? Shikamaru over here? Dang old making block puzzles, getting tuning exams? <laughs> That was an interesting pronunciation of his name. I, I, I listened to the, the... I grew up with the dub, actually, of, of Notoru. For those who don't know me, I have the entire series on manga. It was a weird way of saying that. Until today. I have it on tape. I have the audiobook version of Naruto. You have the audiobook of the manga? <laughs> you know, you know I, I got to remember, it's like there, there's people listening at home. It's not just two dudes in a microphone. That's or a good two point. turntables and a microphone. I promise there's a point here. So I'm going to finally get to it. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Please welcome our guest, Joseph Fisher Shrum. Hi. Hi. I have one question and one question for you only. How much do you like Prince? A lot. Quite a bit. You, you <laughs> love Prince. Yeah. I'm trying so hard not to giggle without the pop filters on. So everyone who listened to the last episode, there you go. You're welcome. I'll decide if I leave that in later. It's implosion, explosion. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> uh, I I want to talk a lot about your history. I want to I want to do this in reverse. Tell me what what's going on in your life now. I think I've mentioned it before, but uh, you know, let's uh, say it again. For the people at home. All right. So in terms of artistic business ventures. Let's focus on music. Let's focus on music, yes. I have a residency at Dr. Jekyll's Beer Lab in Pantigo, where I decided it would be a fun idea, and other people encouraged it for some reason, to do a different act every night for seven weeks. So each of the different groups that I play with regularly are all performing. One of the nights I'm doing like a solo set. Um, so I'm currently regularly in three bands and then there are some other ones that are less active with me, you know what I mean? But, but I do that. Um, and then you want to run through all of the projects that you're in that are going to be in it. Cause I, I saw you in your solo act TXYZ. This was about a, a week ago now, uh, that uh, Mr. Jesse Katz opened for you Yeah. in the last episode. I missed your show yesterday. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> But yeah, like tell me, tell me the whole lineup for every, everyone listening. You know what's because this is going on until the end of April. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's interested, it's like you have all the time in the world as long as I put this out in a timely fashion. So <laughs> if, if you if you are listening to this by April twenty seventh, then you have a chance. So the first week, March seventeenth, was Jesse Cat's group opening. That was awesome, and then my quote unquote solo band. My wife always loves to joke about solo band played and then TXYZ, the J-Rock band performed and I'm a member of that group as well. Last night we had a band called Goolsby open, Court Huang, the singer-songwriter that I produced for years and his band performed and I play bass with him. 
we're looking at adding sort of like a, a band name because the heart of this group is now bigger and it's a bit more collaborative. So we don't know what that's going to be called yet, but it's Court Huang and then we have a, a five-piece band with that group now. Mm-hmm. That's that's so exciting. Yeah. Uh, the, the like, I mean, you're a cool dude, obviously. Uh, we hung out a little bit before starting to record this, but I just thought it's so interesting like how diverse your career has been thus far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can get into that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so there's the, a lot to talk about yeah. there. <laughs> so, so March 31st, uh, my friend Emmeline is a wonderful singer songwriter, and she's opening. And my set will be fully solo. So I'm going to have piano, guitar, and upright, and sing. And it's going to be essentially a singer songwriter kind of concert. The week after that, I have Saul Sanchez and Jacob Farr two of my jazz friends, and we're doing a night of standards for the whole show. There's no opener that night, but it will also be an open jam to any jazz musicians that want to come up. April 14th, my friend Tito Strange, he's a member of Daydream Sleep Shaker and Sessi Sessi, both really great bands, but he's also a solo artist, so he's opening for On V's, the jazz fusion band. Yeah. And that show is going to be super fun because we're going to have a bunch of guests jump on and off. It's just going to be, it's going to be a good time. The jazz... Fusion, two drummers. Uh, Jesse Katz is going to jump on for a couple of songs. It's going to be super cool. Yeah. Yeah. The week after that, Miles Kennedy is a local rapper. He's phenomenal. And I play guitar with him. His band is going to be on. And Honey Whiskey Jr. and Leloon are opening. Leloon just came out with a record recently. So that's pretty tight. Interested. Yeah. Very excited. And then the last week is the week after that. And we're the, the opening act is an open tournament for the board game that we're working on. Yes. And then the music concert side of it will be the music from the board game and the video game because all of this is part of one big fictional universe that we've kind of, that I've mostly been heading, but like we as a team have been writing for years. Would you describe yourself as a multi-instrumentalist? Because I know you play upright bass, electric bass, guitar, sing. Mm-hmm. Anything else I'm missing? Keys, drums, uke. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that is awesome. That's uh, fun. I, I think it's really hard as an up and coming creator to maintain a level of humbleness as far as when it comes to that because there, there's so much fakeness. I'm going to say this because <laughs> I because I you're you've been doing this for a lot longer than I have, obviously. So as far as a life experience, like would would you agree? Where it's just like you know just little things that go nowhere. It's like play the drums and the guitar <laughs> and bass and I I could I could do all of that by myself. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? No, if you played with me, maybe we could make a band, but I don't know if I'd be able to Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, it, it's funny because I I'm actually very inspired by by Prince as an artist. I'll talk about it again like I, there's a whole lineage there. I want to mention this cuz I don't want to make you jealous, but I might say something that might might hurt your feelings. <laughs> but I um uh, I had the opportunity to visit Paisley Park. What? For those who don't know, this is the studio he'd built. I uh, forget when in, into his career. You can look it up yourself. Mid late eighties. Uh, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you for throwing that out there. We'll have our citations in the description. Yeah. So for for the Prince tribute show, yeah, or shows, I did. So much ridiculous research. It does not encompass a fraction of his life, but 
all of the the podcast series that he, the Prince Estate has released. I listened to all of those. Oh, I watched. please, please tell me, please, Seth. I, I will put everything down in the description. I want to, I want to know. I hope everyone else does too. So he was working on Paisley Park in the same time frame that he was working on Sign of the Times. So between about eighty five and eighty eight, I think, is while Paisley Park was originally being built. Okay, that's that's so fascinating because I, as a fan. I'm not going to say they catered to normies. I'm not going to say that. I didn't say that. My editor, I did not say that. Uh, it, it was a fun experience because what they're what they're doing now, it's you know a museum like dedicated to him. Uh, if if you're ever up there, you you of all people should check it out. Man, I hope to. When I went in 2017, I was only the little bit dis- disappointed just as far as like you know because basically it's like here's this thing moving on. Like it was a very quick tour and you know, I know you got to get through like the line. They start off like it, it is, it's so dope. Cause they, they've tried to like leave everything like the way it was, which, which is respectable and, and awesome as far as it, the, the guided tour part, you know, here's my review of, of this you know, experience. When I went, they went into a studio and they're like, here's like how everything like was left up in me. Like someone interested in production I, I respect Prince a lot for being a multi-instrumentalist, like having that independent like you know, mindset and kind of maintaining that throughout like his career as like a pop icon for all intents and purposes. You know the history better than I do. This is for the audience. It's just had that DIY attitude mm-hmm. about things. And I, you know, that that's just really commendable. And uh, I've seen most of purple rain it's something i, I the, the, the film itself mm-hmm. and that's something they touch on if, if you ever go to paisley park like the they have his like dance studio mm-hmm. there and that's kind of where they dedicate you know talking about his films but you know it's just like quick and you miss it and it's like uh, it's it just really fascinating like knowing like that story because it, it is like semi-autobiographical like it's you know he fudges the details for artistic purposes but obviously it's like you know, he plays the kid that's the character in the film, but it's 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 him. It's like them talking about I, I forget the rest of the groups that he was working with, having like that that independent mindset while doing a project like that and blurring the lines between like art and like you know his his life story. Mm-hmm. I think just super super fascinating. I've been talking for a hot second about it, but you, I mean, you've seen it before, right? Yeah. Do you want, do you have anything else like to add to that or I did not grow up in a household that watched a lot of 80s movies. My family okay. is very much keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Which is not to say that they don't have they we don't ignore the past or anything. Yeah. It's just that they didn't want to watch them. So, I discovered Purple Rain as a movie and watched it for myself in 2021. I should clarify I, same. I think it was on HBO Max. Oh, cool! Like, I've, I found a Blu-ray at Big Lots over oh. there for five bucks. So I hope it's if it's still on HBO, like check it out. You, yeah. you should. It's it's a good watch. It was surprisingly good, given the fact that most classic '80s movies that I've seen, I do not understand the hype. A lot of comedy that is funny at its time is considered offensive years later for many different reasons. I'm not saying all of those things are good or bad or moral or immoral. There is too much of a spectrum to say why that does or does not happen. Yeah. But a lot of things in those classic 80s movies, for me, do not hold up. Blade Runner holds up, in my opinion. Breakfast Club holds up, in my opinion. Yeah. Purple Rain was surprisingly interesting for me. And that yes. was 
the, like you mentioned, the autobiographical side of it, obviously how fantastic the music is, but just the fact that it's a well-written, well-produced, genuinely funny and emotionally moving movie was one of the big catalysts for me wanting to do the tribute shows. Yeah. And dig in that deeply. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's amazing to hear. It was fun. Yeah. It was a good time. It is a roller coaster of emotions, and that's what any good, you know, secondarily to music, you know, film is probably one of my favorite mediums, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, and what a way I like to, to combine that because you know this, but for the good folks at home, the the album itself, they use some of the takes at um, the theater. It, the name is escaping me now, but it, it's very – I have a complicated history because it's like my mom specifically just didn't talk about that stuff like with me, like just didn't bring it up in the past. And, and it was just really interesting like once I started like taking music seriously – just hearing it's like, yeah, I remember when that was happening, like just like the, the small talk thing, because like, you know, he started in Minneapolis. That's like where she was living. And wow. it's like that's reel it back and like, you know, take it to, to those moments and just to have like that little moment in time preserved is is why it's interesting. You yeah. Know? It's that it's 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 of the times. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I have something similar with that. My parents they come to my shows a lot. They're very supportive. Yeah. And I brought up... As they should. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank um, you, mom and dad. Shout out. <laughs> to my mom and dad as well. No, yes. just just mine. Just Joseph's. Uh, that, that's not fair. I'm sorry. Your mom your, your mom and dad too. I shouldn't have said that. Please apologize to her. Can you, can you keep all this in? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Um, of course. <laughs> I brought up... At, I brought up at shows in the past that my parents didn't show us a lot of, you know, the quote-unquote classic rock. Again, I do not have any issue with this. We didn't grow up with listening to the Beatles all the time or Pink Floyd or any of those things just because we were listening to other stuff. It wasn't that I was at a loss. But my mom, a couple of years ago, just sent me a random text. It was a Yes music video. And she said, (laughs) you said we never showed you any classic rock. I saw... This band on a date with some other guy's name while your dad was being (laughs) wishy-washy. And I was like, you're going to just say that as a sentence? And also you you saw yes? Are you sure you want me to keep this in? Yes. Okay. It's fine. (laughs) They've been together for many, many years. You, 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 You brought up that you guys talked about it last time and you hinted at it right now. Yeah. So especially, you know, our generation's kind of postmodern, nothing is anything. It's it's funny to consider what we want to define and what we don't, right? I, as a as a writer, especially, yeah. more as a writer than as a, a as a as a consumer. Sure, I hate to use the word consumer no, in this context. That's fine. It's the best word for what I try to mean. Yes. So, um, as a writer, I hate descriptors. I don't want to give myself any reason to put it into anything besides just letting it be what it wants to be. Yeah. So whenever somebody asks what my music is, I pretty much always just say rock because the energy that I feel, no matter what the context is, has the same energy that it does for rock. And, oh, man, I some of my friends are going to be so okay. proud can, of I themselves. Can, oh, oh, okay. I, I just I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I, for probably about 10 years of my life, have just hated using genre at all. And I was like, there's no such thing as genre. <laughs> we live in an era of the internet where everything is everything. Yeah, I, I hated describing things. And some of that is pedantic. And I've realized that as I've gotten older. Because I don't like the term progressive rock as a descriptor because everything is progressive or nothing is progressive. 
And that's a really stupid thing to worry about now that I've realized it. Because if I told you I was listening to this progressive metal band, you would know what I was talking about contextually, right? So it's it's so weird to go back and forth on what matters and what doesn't. And <laughs> we are very fickle people as, yep. our, as yeah. artists. Yeah. Where, where it's like, you know, we want you to get it, but you, you can't just say it because otherwise then you would just say it. Then you wouldn't be making an album. Yeah. <laughs> like you, and just, you would just tell people... On a podcast, we're going to talk about video games, I am sure. There's a wonderful quote from Shigeru Miyamoto when they're making Super Mario Maker. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll link this down here so people can just listen to it so I'm not completely butchering it. But he, his approach, you know, j- just for video games, like as a thing, I don't want to keep using marketing terms, but this is what I know. His quote, like, I, I think is, is very inspiring. It's like with Mario Maker, like he was just telling people like how to make levels. He was like... Yeah, like when we were designing levels, I, I would just think about like a, a person that I knew personally. Like instead of it being this like daunting task of like how do I get my stuff sold, you know, mm-hmm. like to the masses. It's like you, you just according like to this interview, he's like, you know, when I'm making a level, I'm thinking of like a, a particular person I know. It's like what would they think of this if I showed them this? And like kind of like that approach with a a editor, like a Mario paint thing that turned into to something bigger, you know, because people have been asking for years and they found a way to do it on their terms. Mm-hmm. I have a very complicated relationship with Nintendo and I, I'm sure a lot of people will agree with that. But it's, it's a corporation. Like, yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, yeah, I, I, I am not loyal to any kind of brand. The, the fact that like after all these years, he can kind of like maintain the attitude is I think why people appreciate him. In that way. Would you consider yourself not loyal to brands? I mean, of course, like you will, but it's like, you know, you try and keep that like in check because it's like it. It's a weird balance. Yeah. I am. I will be the first to admit that I am absolutely loyal to brands. Shout out (laughs) to Sure. I'm using all (laughs) all Sure microphones today. But here's the thing about that. Sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted you. I I assume like what you were what you were more meaning is. If there, I mean, until like a crucial point, which I think is what we all feel. Because how many people were dedicated to? I'm not going to give any specific examples, but anything yeah. like, like that comes out and it's like, wow, that was super problematic of that corporation or that indi- individual artist. Um, that was a big trial that you just had. I don't know if I should give that particular group money right now. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, sure. Why not? And that is a really weird situation to navigate like you mentioned to someone who's trying to make a living doing anything you know how do you make sure that you can live off of this yeah it's not just music entertainment this is no, it, not at all. it's just good business and that's why i think it's because artists don't like to think of it that way but i'm like well you can't sit there if if you're not figuring out who your audience is there's there's some level of work so i i don't know like what's what's your take on that i i've been, I've been talking about that for a second i don't want to get too in the weeds with that I, I do have more things to say here we are always in a power struggle, and that is true in nature. That is how creatures mate. That is how creatures evolve um, inter, or inter or intra-species for people who do not believe in intra-species evolution. Yeah. Whatever you want to look at, there is always a small, super-rich power, and everybody else who um, are victims of that, whatever the case may be. As 
sad as it is, it seems like at this point in human history, we are the best off. We have the best sure. chance for a lower class person as you possibly could. Yeah. And that's, we that's, are not, s- a con- that's not a controversial <laughs> thing to say. Uh, I, you know, some people might think that uh, it's. I don't know the whole really course not, of human history, but, yeah, yeah. but but I mean, like, but if you if you look at history, and that's why that it's taught in school is to just like to understand like where we've come mm-hmm. from. You know, it's like it's like that's what art is. You can learn so much about a culture's history. That's why they teach Shakespeare. Like, is you know, you don't have to like it. I quite enjoy it. I think it still has like lots of value. That that informs. It's like, oh, this is like Jesse and I talked about this a bit in the last episode. It's like respecting the masters. You can kill them too, though. That's true. You know, it just depends. It just, but yeah. you know, there there are problematic parts of history. That's you know, you you can't just have a filter of like I I've found a term like toxic positivity, <laughs> where it's like it's 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 good to like have a positive outlook on life, but like it's got to come from a real place. You can't lie to someone's face and be like, yeah, I really like that. It's like, that doesn't, that's not helpful. That doesn't, you know, we've talked about progressing um, and like moving on. Like a lot of people like to think of it that it's cyclical and and it is like there, there's two, you know, for history buffs, there's two kind of models for that as far as like, you know, just up and up. We're always like, you know, going and then like, no, it's always a circle. And like, it's both. Mm-hmm. It's a little squiggly line. I'm yeah. drawing this out. You can't see this. There's no visual component. Sorry. Just draw it on the audio. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just do that on the waveform. Make It'll a shepherd sound tone. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah. In, in my synth, I'm going to like figure out on this. On the uh, God, I really want to You're scoring this, this whole thing, right? Live. Where's um, your keyboard? Uh, <laughs> vamp! Oh vamp! Ah. <laughs> All right. No, um. so, yeah. So it's like... <laughs> Uh, Don't let me stop you. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> it it is going up and it, like just circles around like that. There's little there's little like you know circles. It depends like you know when we're talking like in the macro sense of history versus like the micro. Like if you're looking at the last twenty years, yeah, stuff trends come back mm-hmm. and and things happen and dip. But, but we can only hope that those dips only last for so long. You know, mm-hmm. this is very easy to talk about post COVID. Mm-hmm. It could have been worse. It, that's that's the most positive way to say that. Uh-huh. It could have been worse. It it could have been better. Always can be better. But it's like, you know, like you're saying, you can only try and move on and like learn from history. Like throw out all the things we you don't like and keep keep the good. Cause if if that's something that we value as a society, still it's like, yeah, instead of – that's how we've gotten where we're at. Instead of reinventing the wheel and fire every single time, you know, with art. Like art has a, like a strong like relationship with like, you know, technology. For those a little younger than us in the audience, but before the computers could fit in your pocket, <laughs> it, it like – we lived in a time where it's like that the, that was new and could be appreciated. And like, again, like they just they just don't – know that yet it's like no one's like really like sat down and been like it's like hey this is the history like be thankful for for how you know it's like we can only try and do this in in the most beneficial way as possible as far as like the discourse that happens like online and i i think i think things are changing things i think stuff's changing it's impossible for it to not yeah i mean 
hopefully it's swinging in the right direction. But yeah, I think, I think yeah, I think it's better. <laughs> you know, I say this because it's like in the grand scope of things. If you zoom out, it's like you know the internet. It's like a little blip in in everything. In that's that's our main form of communication now, mm-hmm. um, or mass communication. And you know, it's like there's growing pains that are happening, and you know that we're navigating through. You enjoy Gorillas quite a bit. Oh yeah, their new album Cracker Island just come out. I don't, you know, again as far as like understanding art, I don't want to just tell you, you should go listen to it. The viewer, I think you can tell them to listen to it. Yeah, yeah, you you should listen to it because there's a lot of there's a lot of little things in there. You know, it maybe not my favorite record from them thematically, but uh, you know. It, it's so easy to just like incorporate a little like something in there, you know, again, talking about art being aimless. It's like, you know, it's funky. You can just dance to it and turn your brain off and that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the wonderful thing about it is that you can engage with it on whatever level you want to. That's what makes like good something with like mass appeal. That's what makes know? Damon Albarn in particular. Yes. He's, he is an interesting figure. Their album Cracker Island has lots of themes as far as like, like again, navigating like this this world that we'd seen like in the last three years, and again, like w- there's just such an information overload that's like happening, and it's like all the time. Our our lizard brains were never meant to. You sir, you have a microphone too. Sure do, bud. <laughs> what what would you like me to to respond to? I, I guess as far as like you know bringing it back to music specifically because you have lo- lots of different art ventures that I want to touch into yeah uh, but you know just just bring it back like specifically like with music like how how would you think that you're navigating that as a creator yes man I am now a person with a fully formed prefrontal cortex yeah. I, I have been. Remember, kiddos, your brain doesn't get fully myelinated until you're 25. Yeah, you're, you know, you're a young adult, but you, your brain still hap- There's still stuff happening. I am now closer to 30 than to 20. Yeah, and um, same. <laughs> that's it's been interesting to see how much I've learned to navigate and how much I haven't learned to navigate with that. Yeah, it was January 5th, 2020. Yeah. And it w- I, I did not like social media. I have had it for a long time because it is expected, especially whenever you're a young person. And I just didn't, I didn't really use it. But um, on January 5th, my uh, Court Huang and my solo band were doing a small tour and we played in Denton. Or one of my friends from school and her boyfriend, now fiance, heck yeah, um, yeah. showed up. And congratulations I was, for I, them and congratulations for you. Too. Yeah, I'm married. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, these people, I, I knew one of them a little bit. I had never met the other guy. And um, I was like, oh, who are you here to see? Because there were a few different bands. And she was like, you? What are you talking about? And I had no idea how they found out about the show. And she said, I saw it on Instagram. And that was mind-blowing to realize, oh, these things can be used productively as well as negatively, because I was concerned about what you have already addressed, like the information overload about it. And I literally now at this point will move what apps are where in my phone so I don't compulsorily click them because we all have addictive personalities Mm -hmm. to these kinds of things. And like you mentioned, if you don't pay for something, you're paying for it with your life. 
<laughs> I didn't make up that quote. I believe that every little bit of good you do has the same kind of ripple effect that anything else, whether it be kind of like a middle ground or negative, whatever. It has a it has an effect. So I'm a I'm a self I'm an independent musician and I'm now starting a company. Both of these yes, things. Yes, you are. Yeah, they both require use of social media because that is the way that people market now. Mm-hmm. But I have decided that it's not going. I'm not going to let myself worry so much about image that would cause the necessarily negative impact on somebody else yeah. as much as I have control over that, you know? Yeah. Celebrate the positives. Um, I celebrate the people that I work with as much as I can. I celebrate my loved ones whenever I feel like it's appropriate. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a weird and terrifying and dangerous landscape because there are so many situations that you hear or see and you brought up Game Grumps last time as a great example of oh, like yeah. how many times do people oh, so great. just bash on them for no reason. Have you seen The Social Network before? No. It's a wonderful film. Uh, very well like directed. the guy who invented Facebook? Who's the guy who invented Facebook? Who's the guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I didn't see it when it came out, but I was always interested in it because as far as legacy, there's a little bit of lineage. I'm a big fan of Trent Reznor mm. and Nine Inch Nails. He's will tell you in interviews like how much he talks about Prince. Like Prince was his vice. Nice. Like as far as like, you know, getting getting started. Like uh to my knowledge, and I will link if there's a interview that I can find, his history and how he got his start is just he was a janitor at a studio. Yeah. And they're just like, hey, like would do you mind if you let me like use your facilities to record some demos? And they're like, sure, why not? Like just make sure everything gets put back the right way and won't be an issue there there's such a weird dynamic now as far as uh we're talking about in employer employee relations you know i I'd, and you can tell me if your experience is different like as far as like raised it's like you know you're gonna do do this thing you know work work for this like whoever and like i i feel like there's such a big fear um for like job security now where it's like at least that that was just instilled into me where it's like you know you you do this go to school like st- like you know do the thing you want to do get a degree and uh then then you'll have a job for the rest of your life and like that doesn't happen for everyone that's that's no. not that's not you know realistic when when you do good things you get good out of it you know it it's Hopefully. you know people want to have like fulfilling work. Uh, I, I say this as far as like that fear of job security. Cause it's like a, some of the most successful people now who like, you know, are ha- created brands that are huge. Say what you will about Steve jobs as a human being, but it's like, you know, as, as a college dropout, it's like, if, if you look at that history with like these creators, like these like businesses, like where it started is like, they did all kinds of different ventures before they got there. They, they were not an overnight success. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happening. Cause if, if you watch the social network, it, it tells like this thing, you know, I, I'm not an authority as far as like the accuracy, like of the film, but it, it seems to line up with what is going on as far as like meta as a company mm. and the, the creation of uh, Facebook where it's like, it just, it just blew up and just got like out of hand. Like I, I would say, we're just like, how does someone even process like that kind of thing as, as a young adult 
you know, it, Mark Zuckerberg went to Harvard and did the, this thing. And in the past, you know, the expectation was different where it's like you, you had like different things and like you could, you weren't one thing for your entire life. And I think that's as far as like, you know, sacrificing your product, your art for like, just it's like, all right, like what's like, you know, whatever you're, it gets fickle because it's like you, you do have to contribute something to society in some way. Of course, you know we we may maybe we value that and like too much on a monetary scale, but it's like again with with some of these new like platforms like Patreon, uh, it, it's purposeful like the way they've branded themselves as like you know the patrons, you know, yeah, of of the arts or whatever like ventures where it's just like uh, the, that avenue is. Uh, it's amazing that we have something like that now. I don't know. And it's by artists who realized how few people were getting payment for their work at that point. Yeah. Which is also a very common thing in a lot of different jobs, not just music, in a lot of different situations. How many people do we know that have multiple jobs to support whatever they need to do in life? How many people... Man... You say you don't want to go into theories and conjecture. I've been spending a lot of time lately. Oh, I want to kind of but... pondering. <laughs> There's a there, there are very specific pockets of time where we, as a society, have seemed to be obsessed with the idea of doing good work, and there are times where we've had an obsession with not doing work, yeah. and we have recently left. We, as a, an American societal young people, <laughs> have left the want to work all the time for various reasons, and now we are trying to get out of that and figure out what life is beyond just working. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, <laughs> serfdom, but yeah, <laughs> where are we now? What are we doing next? And I say we... But I mean me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've true. been wondering a lot lately about. I'm not going to say you. I'm going to say me. I'm yeah. figuring out my place yeah. with what I'm doing lately because, like we talked about, I have all of these different projects and a wife, and the the number of things that any individual will always want to do will be ever increasing, and the amount of time that you have will be forever decreasing. Mm-hmm. The impact that you can have. Is, is just different. It's not necessarily better or worse. Then as you get older, you hopefully have more experience and wisdom and more people to help you. Uh, I definitely have been privileged to feel that way. Yeah. It's you okay d- to say that you're <laughs> privileged, you know, like, I, I don't mean that in the way that some others might, but I, you know, well, the word privileged yeah. has a, has a very specific connotative meaning right now, but yes, it won't always. And it, it you know, it's different. Mm-hmm. That's why we, the fun of words, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, oh God, I can go on so many things. Like I, we talked about this beforehand as far as like etymology and linguistics, but that's neither here nor there. This is a music podcast. Do y'all, do you guys remember that? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's try and, and bring it back to that now that we've had a lot of pondering. So it's like, since I've thrown that out there, it's like for you, it's like, as far as your your board game, it's like the, the the creative like ventures. You know, it's like what do you hope that people will get out of that specifically? You you brought it up. I be, I don't remember if it was at the beginning of the podcast or before we started actually 
recording. Sure. But you said that I'm kind of compulsorily creative, sure. which is absolutely true. With just about everything that I have done artistically up until the last couple of years, it was just because it sounded fun to do. Yeah. Or when I wrote a piece of music or a piece of prose or whatever the case may be, it may have been to process something, but it was because it was cathartic and enjoyable for me. And the idea of making games for people to play is very different because I always hope people like the music. But at the end of the day, if they don't, I accomplish what I wanted. So (laughs) it's fine if they don't like it. But with a game, it is designed for other people to play without me. And so not necessarily for the idea of legacy, but for the idea of enjoyment. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted a game that was simple enough to learn quickly, but interesting enough to to be, to have, you know, long lasting interest. And that was still a personal challenge, but again, it was very different than a song because you can write a song either by yourself or with two other people or however many, right? And if you guys all like it, then the project's done. But if you, in this circumstance, with this board game, it's a two-player game. We could constantly make iterations on that forever and constantly keep improving it based on individual feedback in a way that is much more, I'll say required with quotes around it compared to writing that song. Sure. Because people could always give input on, oh, well, you could do this with the song. But I guess primarily in my cases, because I, I'll make a very specific reference to a song of mine. There's a period of time where I was playing ukulele very seriously. So I was essentially doing like classical ukulele music mm-hmm. and I was writing what we would consider modern atonal kind of music, but for uke. Yeah. And doing that in the only outlets that I really had, like singer-songwriter shows... I knew it was not the best avenue to have it, mm-hmm. but it was the only one that I really had besides YouTube. So I didn't care enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is what I want for me. Yeah. And if you guys like it, which people often did, even if it was the wrong environment, sure. It was cool. I've had to spend years kind of well, I guess that kind of goes into the 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 concept of as you are younger, you're figuring out how different you are than everyone else. And as you get older, you're figuring out what all we as you as an individual have in common with the rest of the world and how you fit in. So I guess that's kind of what it all comes down to is this new idea of making games is a much more directly interactive experience for me. And it requires a bigger group of people, which is why we have a team that became a company. And the, the soundtrack for the board game has been super fun. Did you get to listen to it? No, uh, the board game. No, I hadn't had a chance to listen to that. Well, I'm, I hate you for that. I will never. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I, but but I love that you, as far as like doing good business, it's like what are my talents? What am I strong? And, you know, instead of following a trend, because it's like if if you're doing that, people people will know. <laughs> like like yeah. people will under can pick up on that so easily, especially like you know when you have access to everything, you especially know? people who grew up in a social media era and beyond, we can we have spent so much time with it. We smell whenever we don't like how something feels. Like I'm gonna, we got we got to hit a very specific topic for me to grow from it. Yes. But 
I've been reveling on it so much this week. So I brought it up as a joke earlier, but we got to sure. get into it. Yes. Did, are you familiar with VeggieTales? <laughs> Uh, I, I, enough. I did, I'd like, it would constantly be shown to me. I did not, I was not in that space. I did not grow up with it that much is what I'm going to say. So this week I listened to the creator Phil Vischer's audiobook oh. about the story of, you know, his life from being a child and being a child of divorced parents. And he sure. was born in, I think, the late sixties. So, you know, our parents, or if you have very young parents, grandparents situations of so many people got divorced at that point for whatever reason and how that negatively impacted the rest of his life as an individual, because for him, he was kind of looking up to a new kind of father figure in Walt Disney. And he wanted to be the Christian Disney. Okay. So the story of how he started a company, worked so hard to make it work, and what he thought was, you know, his true north. He thought he was performing ministry with all of this and how it immediately got out of hand and how essentially that company fell apart in like 10 years. And so the story of him essentially like getting a multi-million dollar company out of something that started with five people that he thought was for, um, you know, for a Christian, the most important thing, countering negative media, not by bashing it, but by just being good and how all of that went wrong and his coming back to, am I doing the work that I was supposed to be? How does this relate to my father and not having him in my life nearly as much and that separation of my initial family and how all of that trauma affected everything that he did for many years until he recovered from it, Mm -hmm. Um, if he ever does. I mean, how many things do we experience in life that you really look back on it and you're like, I will never emotionally recover from this, you know? Sure. So it's it was a deeply moving and fascinating book for his – uh, understanding of how a business runs and for his understanding of how he just loved the arts and loved being a filmmaker at that period, yeah. how he lost the ability to do all of that because he was so busy being a businessman. It's, it was, it was genuinely one of the most beautiful things I've gotten to, uh, I, I will say read cause it's an audio book, but listen to, yeah. and also he plays the voice of Bob the tomato. So it felt like Bob was reading to me the whole time. What? Oh yeah. Are you oh wow. I'm not lying. He voiced like most of the original characters. I loved it. And hearing his um, philosophy on wanting to just do good and realizing that at a certain point he got lost, like you, as, as we say, we got lost in the sauce, right? <laughs> so Yeah, for a man who's lost in the sauce. I have been lost in the sauce for so long. I have... So the, the, you, you were there last week whenever we performed the concept album, right? Yeah. With my solo band, I wrote that concept album. Initially, it was a set of songs that were sort of related to the story, but I deliberately made the vocal range wider to be more impressive. And I, yeah, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. I, I, I'm just going to interject for, for a second. Um, what, what makes the entertainment business a, a little more difficult than, than something else and why it feels larger is because you are putting a lot of yourself out there, which, which you should, you should be passionate about what you do. Like, you know, I, 
it should be a simple because you know it, it it sounds pretentious to certain folks but it's like if, oh, yeah. if you're making something it's like you're you're an inventor you know that's you're there there's not you know there there is kind of a rule book as far as if you're looking at your influence like musically um but you know you're just you're you're trying to do something from from scratch i mean as far as it being quote unquote marketable it's <laughs> like you you're trying to find like an opportunity you know it it can be small and i think that's where people get lost is the that idea and like kind of the shortcut that in the before the 2000s as far as like you know you just make good music and you'll get picked up by a label and people like and they'll do all the work for you which that's as you as you know like that only happens if you're like super lucky yeah what would that be probably like three percent of bands trying to make it exactly <laughs> and and it's like and and everyone wants that so badly and the, uh i think that's something like kind of the predatory nature in in the past as far as um record labels like you know just taking advantage of like you know again the the definition of like childhood and and you know being an adult is changing i think as as we learn more like as you know just that understanding develops yeah uh what was the percentage of toys bought last year that were bought by adults for themselves <laughs> yeah yeah i i guess that's that's true absolutely like as far as like you know and and it's it's very easy to just or it seems like to forget what what that was like like that like wonderment as far as like you know it's like children are are just as as aware as like any any adult and it's like again they're they're not fully developed yet they are simply ignorant and it's a, it's and a, your job if if you want to be a parent if that's something that you are interested in doing it is it is your job to inform them and so where where i think art is like meaningful is that it can tell you like a story without you personally having to experience that Mm -hmm. you know um it can help you like as a tool to figure out you know all these things like you know you can only go off your experiences i um you know we'd mentioned I, I'm a I'm a walking meme here, and, and people will understand if if they're paying attention. I used to get bullied for for like I'd be called like a Narutard, <laughs> like because that's I, not a phrase I've ever heard. Oh yeah, uh, I I had you know some friends where it was like everyone was trying to out geek each other. You know, it, it was a weird dynamic. Do you as do far you, as like whatever? You got to know the jutsu hand signs then. You don't know I, any. Well, of- I, well, I I forget them specifically, but yeah, like you, I, you know, I, I, I know, you know, but I forget like you know a lot. But like, actually, it's really interesting. Like, Shadow clone my jutsu boy. <laughs> but um, as as <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to just always like be like it's like you know this thing like blah 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 because there's a connotation when you just that's all you like ever talk about, of course. And I think that's where maybe like. I may have annoyed like, you know, some acquaintances in the past, <laughs> whatever. But it's like, you know, getting specifically back to Naruto, I don't know Kishimoto's history. Uh, and, and that's something I, I want to understand, like the why behind it, because it's like what I've like gone out of it. Did you ever finish the series? So 
Um, I watched the show through Shippuden, and I uh-huh. really enjoyed it. But you know, as you become older and you have stuff to do, I just never could sit down through all of Shippuden just because it's so long. So I've never even gotten through. Is it the Tatsuki? Oh yeah, definitely read the manga. I heavily recommend that because there there mm. are issues with the anime as far as that adaptation goes. Mm. With just like it feels like they had where it's like okay well we we're not caught up with you know if if you if you look at the history it's like we're not caught up with the manga yet so we got to all that filler all all the filler mm-hmm. all the filler in the world um the manga is it's much tighter mm-hmm. and that makes know, sense narrative uh it i'm not trying to change the world i'm just trying to change my little circle here being in a conversational setting is so different than being in a scripted setting because I mean, that's part of why people like Tarantino, which is not a rabbit hole that we should delve yeah. too deep into because oh. <laughs> I'm a straight man. By the way, I'm sorry for that, everybody. But I am a straight man, so of course I like Tarantino. And like his his scripts have just very human dialogue, which just means they're talking about nothing. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. And so um, it's, it, I mean, how many... It, it, it's funny to to think about like the world of podcasts because it is all about just letting people have this non-descript as scripted as it is it's never scripted right yeah. so you're just going everywhere exactly Mewo Biba yeah I'll find something I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be asking you about some things yeah later. Ask, me, ask me about things um, so as far as like getting back to giving back mm-hmm. uh, to your your community that's with with all of this said you know because how, how long would you say you've been doing music professionally to avoid worrying too much about what the word means. I started performing live with rock bands when I was 14. Okay. So yeah. I say 14 years because like the, the goal was not money back then, but sure. it was, that's when I started playing shows in public regularly. Yeah. For me personally, there's a, that, that sense of creativity and like, you know, just being like, especially like, electronic music too i don't know like as far as just being in the garage and just making stuff i i I have that kind of like attitude where just like you know workshop this is me from my perspective Mm -hmm. you know just 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 doing stuff (laughs) like and and then and then maybe you can think about it like you know later and reflect on that it's like oh this invention that i found or like is i think like a lot of art is more about discovery you know you as a writer you, sir, there's this idea as far as um, originality goes, you know. That I hate like, that. <laughs> I, 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 I know, because it's like you, you, you're, you're getting it from, from somewhere, obviously, and you should cite it, and, and you should find, like, because that's what, what innovation is about, is, like, knowing what's there and then where you can go from there. Mm-hmm. And as far as, like, what, what you do with music and writing and like your your creative outlets what does that mean to you i don't know anymore like i said it used to just be fun i mean that's not entirely true yeah it used to be very much for fun and also for the gratification from others sure my bachelor party in december was super fun and afterwards i was talking to one of my best friends he and i have played together for years an all-around fantastic dude. We've been friends since we were 10. And we played in our first band together. We don't play in regular bands together, but we still do now um, on occasion. 
and I brought up that it felt weird that I hadn't played shows in so long. And he said, dude, I saw you play a show like two weeks ago. And I said, oh, it just feels like it's been forever. And he said, yeah, you're addicted. And I kind of stepped back for a second from myself. And that was probably one of the big catalysts. And there are many because nothing ever comes from one thing of realizing how and where to best go forward because I love playing, which is why I say yes to all of these different ideas. But there's, I've come to a point where I've done a lot on my own for a period of years in that I wrote the music by myself. I was pretty much in charge of my band. I told them for the most part what to play. And I wrote the songs and chose the covers and uh, booked the shows and did the promotion. And I love those people. I don't mean it in a negative way, but I, I kind of had a trust issue based on experiences that I'd had. And I wanted a very clear, this is the leader, everyone else is subordinate. Last year kind of let me have a mental shift as I've been reassessing what's important to me and to not me. (laughs) So um, where I am now is still I love playing, but I'm getting a little weary of myself. I have reached a point recently as I've assessed my, like he, like he worded it correctly, my addiction to the feeling of being in front of a crowd and being respected for that. I want people to tell me that I'm good at what I do. And then I get to say, oh no, 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 I don't feel that way. And I'm like, oh yes, please call me a genius. I want (laughs) that. And I didn't want to accept that. And I want people to say, oh, you're so good at that thing. And you sing so well, everyone wants to be praised. But if I want that praise, my cup will never runneth over, right? I'm trying to pull back. I've realized that I can be confident in what I do, but not worry so much about that. I need to get back to how I did it when I was younger. I did it because I wanted to. So my goal with groups now is to make sure that the people around me have the best chance too. Because there are a lot of things that I have done wrong and a lot of things that have been disadvantaged around me that have caused me to not be in some places that I would like to. Now I want more collaborative environments. I want to help people who have written songs, make them as good as they can be and have them played. I want to play music by people that I feel like deserve um, canonization in that sense. Because we as individuals decide what is standards. We decide what is popular, especially in the age of the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I really want to do is make a cover album, like what NSP did, but um, with songs specifically that I feel like want to be more heard and exposed. So some of them would still be popular songs, but some of them wouldn't be. Like, I really I really want to record a song by Aaron Payton from the Vex Project and also many other bands. Okay. Aaron Payton is awesome. He, he, he does so much good work. But yeah, essentially, I'm, I'm, I'm getting back to a place where I... Well, not even getting back to. I'm reaching a new place of really celebrating and appreciating the people around me for the sum of our parts and doing it because it's fun. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's just a good 
phrase. That's that's a way to put it because in our American society, because I can only speak on that, you know, I don't know who else is listening right, right now, uh, but it's like it, a good amount of like healthy competition is good. Oh, yeah. That's what drives like innovation. That's what we've been talking about. That's, yeah. that's why I'm like, I want to bring this back like with that, with your art and what you're doing. I will tell you, it's like, you know, listening to it. What I what I enjoy about art is kind of like a lot of like the introspection. You know, it, it's groovy. Like your your music, and I I see like your influences. You know, there, just because you know I've done my research. <laughs> uh, but it's like you you can like you know just like have it on like in the background, and then like when you when you tune into that, you know, for you and for you know music like that that's similar to what you're doing. Uh, that like introspection. It's like you just can have like something on to just. Think about like whatever. Mm. You can just like chill and listen to the the instrumentals, and then as far as lyrics lyricism, it, it, it kind of grounds like that. I mentioned in the last episode as far as like the ethereal nature of music, mm. like a, as an instrumentalist. And I know we'll talk about this soon. Mm. Yeah, it's it's like it grounds that when you're just like when you're listening to the words and like you know that context. It's like ah, I I get it. Like it's just like <laughs> you just have that. Um, that way about you. So I, I could commend you, sir. I appreciate for it. This. Yeah. It's been um, a lot of work. <laughs> what else do you, do you need to talk about as far as, uh, the board game, your music and everything else in between? I did read your book. I, we what got, did- we got about halfway through it and it's, uh, it's fascinating. It's funny. Like the the first thing, like uh, if if you're okay with me spotlighting it for a second, I would I would be appreciative of any positive or negative criticism you have. Yeah, the like the very like beginning. What's that book called, by the way? What was it called? You son of a bitch! No, no, <laughs> I didn't mean did. that in a passive aggressive way. I meant market it. Plug my book. Everyone has something trite to say. Aw, hey, I appreciate that. Genius. Everyone has something trite to say. I love that. Yeah. So, um. You know, as far as like, because there's lots of, it is a trend, you know, especially with uh, YouTubers or influencers on social media that want to do other ventures mm-hmm. of like, let's just have a collection of things. And it's like, what, what is it saying? And it's like, you know, the titles are important. That contextualizes it. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has something trite to say. And it's just a little, it's just a, it's a little collection of things. It's like short and sweet. And it's like, yeah, it's good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. I was 20 when I wrote uh, all but one of those pieces. They were written in a very concentrated period. Mm -hmm. I was in a band called Duo Contra at the time. Uh And in January of 2017, we literally started this little tour on New Year's Eve 2016. And we paused the song we were playing Mm -hmm. in the, the backyard of this dude's house. And it was such like a college movie for a second. And this one guy, so we stopped at this gap in the song that's supposed to have a beat rest. Yeah. And it rips. I missed that song. But this one guy is like, 10 seconds to midnight. And we all count together. And then we cheer when it hits zero. And loved ones or, you know, romantic partners kiss each other. And I was alone. So then we keep playing. And it was a super fun experience. And later that night, I heard one of my friends say to a girl... And they were both very drunk. I think you are so pretty, but I don't personally find you attractive. And I walked the other direction. And so through that tour, I was playing um, an electric bass that was fretless, a Jaco-style yes. jazz bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was too big for my – it was a normal scale length, but I have small hands. And I was constantly overstretching and not doing 
good care on my hand and we weren't sleeping or eating well because it was a tour. It's like, when are you going to eat? When are you going to sleep? Never. Fun fact. So um, I get back. My hand hurt in a way that I had never experienced. And, you know, you've been ignoring it for days because of adrenaline and being an invincible 20-year-old, right? You're a genius. No one's going to stop you. What are you talking about? So I guess it was 19. (laughs) Wait. 2016 into 2017. So I was 21. Um, And so my mom is a a medical doctor, and she grabs my hand at the part that felt bad, and she said, this feels crunchy, which is a bad word for describing the human body. You don't want to hear that from your doctor. So um, we go to a specialist, and I had pulled two ligaments and then sprained tendons all the way down my left hand as a music major, right? That's not cash money. My my primary uh, instrument in college, and I took lessons all four years, even though as a media major I didn't have to, but I love my teacher. So, um, yeah, like I could not play for about six months. Mm -hmm. Whenever I performed with the rock bands, I could just do keys with my right hand. Uh-huh. So in, in the bands I was in at the time, I had to get rid of playing. Uh, in one of them, we would jump instruments, and it was super fun. So I'd play like drums, guitar, bass, uke, sing, and keys. Yeah. We would all swap. I could only play keys. I was stuck. The, the band where I was playing bass, yeah. I used my monophonic synth as a sub base. And I was like, actually, this kind of works. In a worst case scenario, this is fine. I'm really glad it healed. Um, but, you know, I wrote music for me to play. Yeah. I wrote music because it was fun for me to do. And I was like, what do I do now? I had always written little stuff for funsies. Yeah. But um, in May, I had reached a point to where all of these new things were ready to just explode. Mm-hmm. So... In the book, Everyone is Something Trite to Say, available on paperback, um, I had just so many things. And I was working at a concert venue, and I remember working and setting up, and then we'd have a small break. And I, by the time the break came, I had this new one. of I remember with Folded Arms specifically, because that's the first story in the book, and I just think I'm so funny. So I, 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 I formed it in my head, and I just sat you're, down you're and funny. wrote it. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. You're pretty pretty. No. <laughs> pretty pretty. Um, so yeah, I just wrote it. And with every story in that book, yeah. because they're all so short, it was pretty much just like it exploded in one day. Yeah. Um, the, the, the story as it was finally just like became its own in one, in one period. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was pretty much all of them except for two were written May to August. One of them was written in September, I believe. And then the next one was written in March. Okay. So it was a h- huge... an explosive period for that little prose because I didn't have another outlet in a way. I'll say this for the first time here. We are in very early stages of starting our own podcast that will be a radio drama style set of my short stories and poems called called Trite Things. Oh my goodness. We are in super early pre-production. Like I haven't brought this up anywhere yet. Very exciting. So that has been so much fun. And again, it, it kind of goes uh, it, it it is very prevalent to my idea of getting out of myself and getting back into I've been so impatient at yeah. feeling like I deserved fame or whatever and now I'm I'm letting myself realize that I what I wanted is not what I would have been given anyway sure. so having this group of people that get to act and then Court Huang the the guy that I work with is going to like produce and direct us cuz I'm not a trained actor and um so he is is so brilliant and perfect for this. And we've done one reading so far. Yeah. 
where we did with folded arms from the book and stained glass secrets, which is my favorite piece from the book because it's just so stupid and so Python. And I, I just, I just, again, I just think I'm very funny. So, um, I have enough shorts for a second book and I've considered putting out like a mini series that was like its own like six episode thing as a book because I don't know when I'd make the show. But um, now we might have an outlet for all of those things. Instead of me making another book, we would just make these series as a podcast. Okay. And I'm going to tell you this right now, kind of like how... Danny would say NSP songs with titles that didn't have a song because they don't know how they're going to do it. Sure, yeah. I really want to write a detective series called Lyra Beek's Ostrich Detective. Yeah. And I don't know how I'm going to make that work yet, <laughs> but we'll figure it out later. So hopefully this podcast will come out later this year. But again, <laughs> like I just, I have, I am so privileged to have people that let me kind of just, I've reached a point where people trust me enough and I listen to other people enough to not really get many no's anymore. Yeah. If somebody says no, it's more of a why I don't think this is necessarily a good use of your resources and time or just do it later. There's a lot of circumstances where it's like, I don't think that's a bad idea, but you got too much to do or this would be much more interesting at this moment. Yeah. Like I really want to... Timing is key. Yes. Yeah. I really want to do a solo double bass record as well. But um, again, I, don't, I literally don't have time to do that right now. Um, but I would do a Roboth piece, at least one. Eventually. Uh, do you want to get into that now, or are you... That was a delicious segue. Are you done shamelessly plugging... <laughs> that was on purpose. That was a good segue. Am I, am I the one being interviewed? Am I being cool right now? Uh, am I being cool right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, Don't you guys sen- think I'm cool? Since you mentioned it, uh, we listened to some stuff beforehand. <laughs> to, uh, tell me, like, you know, your... Your perspective, because I have a lot of things about it, but since your your picks, you know, I'm terrible names, terrible people's names, terrible titles with stuff. Please elaborate on. So you want to talk about the ones that I brought to you first? Yes. Okay. Um, Well, I'm curious. Let's uh, go with, so the bass player, his name was Francois Raboth. And that piece, I don't know how it would be properly pronounced. It's Ritba, which means desert. Yeah. So what did you think of it? So I, I actually also kind of come from a classical background. I came to UTA playing in bassoon. Yes. Actually, it's it's so interesting because like my my struggles have been trying to like in the gigging scene that's here like figure that out because as far as like I don't know there there are two different worlds. It's just how how my brain works. Just you know le- learning that like scene. Uh, I I I thought it was just. Sometimes, like with that, you know, I, I we've been mulling on it for like a little bit. And, you know, it's difficult to think of like a, a word, but it's it, you know, it's more like a, a feeling than you know that piece in particular. Like I mentioned, like in, introspection, like it, it's it's just moving. So, like that's all I want to kind of know, like your, your take, because obviously you had a purpose for showing me that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, we've talked about this as far as like an exploration. Of of something like you know like what what can be done with the upright bass oh yeah like I I thought that's what's fascinating and, and you know as far like why I mentioned you know coming from a classical background and like exploring something different with with an instrument because there's such a connotation like in in society and you know especially you know it's like they they encourage you it's like you know do band do orchestra do these things try it out that's great like you know to know that but um. At, at least in the music education world, we're speaking very academically, 
because we're both art majors. Yeah. Sorry, everyone else. <laughs> I literally teach private lessons. I'm sure that if you don't now, you did at some point, right? Yeah. So. Oh, oh no. Yeah. No, no, no. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. But I, it, it's very helpful to have like those skills, like those performative things in a recital. Cause you know, it's, it, it is more an exploration, like as far as like, you know, revisiting classical music. Cause I think a lot of, you know, people who even like study it wonder, it's like, what, why, why, why are we, why are we still on this genre as far as moving forward? But it's like, you know, we haven't explored all of that yet. It's, you know, as far as like the, the sciences, like we've been, is like the mathematics. It's like, there, there's so many different variables, you know, it's like, with Western theory, it's like, you know, you have your 12 notes that you're working with for all intents and purposes, those like tones that, you know, repeat, uh, but you're, you're working with that. And it's like, what, there's so many just possibilities and like, there, there's other factors of course too, but it's like what I'd gotten out of the, the piece, Rabata, Raboth, Raboth, um, what I'd gotten out of Raboth not being an upright bass player, I'm just like, wow, I didn't know that that's, that's <laughs> something that could be done with right? the instrument. It can be as simple as that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. When was that recorded, by the way? Um, definitely either 70s or 80s. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Um, but 70s or 80s, for sure. So, so that classical training and um, also like jazz, like with how long that history is now, as far as like exploring like those outlooks like compared to like contemporary art you know it, it is introspective like you're 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 there and it, it gives you a space to like to to think like i i like to think that like good art we, we've talked about like specifics and like having like a message of course but like you know it also can make you ask the right questions like it's an exercise in critical thinking mm-hmm. that's my hot take yeah, yeah. It's I I picked that piece because, well, uh, this kind of ties back to my whole philosophy. Well, I mean, you're also a, a double plate bass player. Yeah, that, that's your where you started. That that's your that's your first instrument, your uh, first love. I will say technically, it's my first. It's de- definitely my first love. I my parents got me a bass player, or my, my parents got me. Why did I say that? My parents got me a drum set before then, yeah. which I would play a little bit for fun, but I didn't really know what I was doing. But I started orchestra when I was 10, as many people do. And yeah, double bass is the instrument that I've played the longest. Um, I don't know at this point if I really have a primary just because I don't get to, I don't spend that much dedicated time on one instrument anymore. But the one that I know the most about, the one that I teach the most, if I was going to have to say I have a primary, uh, it would be upright. And with my students in particular, but with the world at large, I want them to be aware of these capabilities. And Raboth was so important to the bass world and the, his pedagogy was fantastic and is fantastic. He's 93, but he's still alive. Oh, wow. He still does master classes on occasion. He still performs a little bit. Yeah. So, um, I believe 93, definitely early nineties. No, I've never seen him live. There are master classes that happen around. I just haven't been able to travel, but, um, so in that piece, I told you before the podcast, but I'll say it on here. He goes, he uses very high positions on lower pitched strings on purpose. Yeah. There is um, a musical need for that, that he re- is pretty much required for that piece. I had my fingerboard extended to play some pieces, primarily his. Sure. And 
there's tonal importance to him because he spent that much time with the instrument, but there's also based on what he wanted to hear, it, it, it makes sense. And he uses the full range of the instrument all the time in his pieces, but he writes music that he wants to hear. So it is still wonderful to listen to with, with my, with my students, I always show them music by Raboth because he's so influential to me yeah. and to my technique. He, he saved my hands, honestly. Again, we, we, decide what, we decide what we think is important. You doing this podcast now mm-hmm. is you telling the world the musicians that you think are important enough to spend time with, right? You've decided that somebody you're sitting with is interesting enough to bring them up later. You're saying that. I'm, uh, I mean... You're asking me. Yeah, I'm yes. asking. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's so, that's true. So <laughs> that's why that's why I brought him up. Just because yeah. he's, he's he's just That's so, what I that's what I want. He's so dope. Yeah. So that that was it. Sure. Also he'd be ripping. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, cuz cuz that like honestly cuz cuz the next next piece that he showed me like just had stuck in my mind more. <laughs> just, well, it's a got little, a much harder groove. Yeah. Uh but but yeah, that's really fascinating cuz there's you know I, if my, my instructor's listening right now, uh, I, have, I haven't touched the bassoon in a hot second, but I, I will be revisiting it. Nice. There's some interesting stuff. There's, um, I believe it's Force Music. They call it the Jake. I have to, I'll, I'll put a link if anyone's interested, but they, they make a, a modded like vocal, if you know the instrument. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, for those that don't, it's, the bassoon's a, a giant instrument. Don't even get me started about Contra. I mean, I mean, I was, I mean, I was giant. Like, I couldn't imagine carrying around a double bass. Uh, like, a double bass is hollow. I feel like a contra bassoon is much heavier. Uh, yeah, it's probably a little denser, but uh, you know, you take it apart and put it in a case and all that, okay. all that stuff. Trade off. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like the uh, basically like the the vocals, like the beginning, like as far as like the the very like start. Well, the start of the sound is the reed, mm-hmm. obviously, and like you know how sound travels, the acoustics like of that. What uh, what what they do. They have like modded like vocals like right there for for pickups, for like a, a electronic per- that you can plug in like to an amp or whatever, and like have like that direct sound on the soon, which is great. I'm, I'm going to mention her name, Dr. Laura Bennett Cameron. Uh, Brilliant. Was my instructor, uh, cl- class act. Oh, she's uh, so good and you know, like so nice. Yeah, yeah. W- uh, wonderful human being. She had this passion, like like just just has a passion for for the instrument, and and it's like just having that like is is enough. And it like shown me just like has like a little collection of early bassoons, like like just the, the uh, God, I forgot I forgot what era it is. I'd have to speak to her again. You know, just just like where it's come and how how the instrument evolved. Because my my history with the instrument, and maybe you have something similar, like to say, like they basically came to us with like different mouthpieces, like in elementary school, like just like hey, like what do you what do you like and like. I I do not remember this man's name, but it, it just in that moment, like he just had a bunch of things, and I, I even kind of remember, like you know, I, I talked about like things things I enjoy the most being challenging, right? Like I mean, classical music is is a challenge. Oh, any, yeah. any kind of music is a challenge, but you know, specific, specifically like as a younger person, you know, that's that's a struggle. That's that's something to work through. That helps you. Like that's you know, <laughs> to justify our existence. It's like that's what that's for. Is is like you know you can take it or leave it with that. But I, I always found like kind of just the mystique like behind it. Like it, it's it's such a, a niche thing. I, if that makes me sound pretentious, um, whatever. 
they just had like mouthpieces like there and it's like, oh, like here's a trumpet thing. And it's like, I'm just like, what is that? Like right. I, I looked, I'm like, what is that? What is that thing? And it's like, oh, it's a double read. And like, and it's like, can I try it? And like, I don't even know how they fucking sanitized it. Like in, in, t- in today's like, you know, world. It would be a very different situation. Yeah. Cause like a, talking to like guitarists and string players, like all the time, like, you know, you can tell me what do you think, but they're just like, that's weird. You put the thing in your mouth. It is weird. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, but I, it's like I started even bringing my own microphone to shows just because it's you have to get so close when you sing live a lot of the time yeah. that it's like I don't want to share that level of intimacy with some stranger's beer mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if it's just my own 58, at least it's not somebody else's pre-warmed 58, you know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you I, – I don't understand the idea of sharing. And I know that, like, it's a different mouthpiece or it's a sanitized mouthpiece or, you know, yeah. you, you don't literally lick the new reed before you hand it off, but it's still weird. There's such a thing for, uh, for, for people that don't know what you do is, like, you, you have to soak it. Like, you, have to, you can't just blow in it cold. You're, it's just going to break. Like, there, yeah. it's, it's absolutely, like, just a necessity. And, and that's a big thing is, like, just, you know, being a kid and uh, – so many moldy reeds. It's it's it is disgusting. But I'm just like ah, ah, ah. yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife is also a band director five through twelve. So she 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 shared some of the, some of the horror stories with me, and I really glad I don't play those things. Yeah, it's really gross. But um, getting past the the grossness of it, like again, <laughs> like I just thought about that. Now. I'm just like yeah, they just swapped that around. I'm like whatever. It's a different time. Blah blah blah. Moving on. Some f- funky jams. Please tell me the name of this town that it was recorded in. I think it was Agadez. Okay. Um, but the piece is something different. Oh, so the, the artist, uh, his name is Emdu Mokhtar. Emdu Mokhtar. He's the, the band leader. Got um, it. And then the song and the album yeah. are called Afik Victim. Okay. Fun fact, they were on Obama's list of 2022 records to check out. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. That... That is really cool. I, you know, yeah, that's super mm-hmm. interesting. So what did you think of that? You know what? Like there, there's, again, just talking about like history, like it, it was a jam. Like just oh, watch yeah. it. It's like the, you know, um, as far as like the, the cultural exchange, like with, with music that we've talked about, there is such a rich history with like the, the drum set and like the, uh, yeah. the, the, like these different worlds. Like I won't get too much into the politics of that. The drums and like the very rhythmic nature of it, it's very different than Western music. And w- with how that was brought to the the West, that's like the start of like jazz and th- how like we've gotten to contemporary music. There, there, there's a hit of like adding that percussion element to like the just tonality that it, like is is Western theory. And so it's interesting like to see it make its way back to to like those, those roots where it's like not of like re reclaiming that it's like, okay, like here's how the music has evolved since that cultural exchange, you know, with like, you know, power amps, um, <laughs> guitar, like, like the instrumentation, like, like, yeah. like with drums, electric guitar, bass. I don't know what it means to you, but it's like just, just having like that, that part of the story of like, just we're, we're just jamming. You oh know? yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The, the culture, from my very minimal understanding of that kind of music, which mm. us Americans, the Western audience is kind of called like desert blues. Sure. So that okay, kind of okay. Saharan rock music. There yeah. are so many fantastic artists that are not 
that one thing, but just across the spectrum. Sure. As a quick aside, the whole board game and this world of games that I want to make is my love letter to these that area of music because there are so many inspirations that I have from there. That's why oh, yeah. some of it is named after him in particular. But yeah, so the the album and that song is called Afrik Victim. To deeply paraphrase it, the that that song is essentially about this is a beautiful continent that you know has been the victim of so much ruthlessness. So he 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 just is celebrating how wonderful it is to be a part of that cultural area. Yeah. That huge cultural area that, yeah. you know, deserves better. And we could say that everything deserves better. But <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. it, it, it's it's hard to talk about. Um it, it is a, a struggle in this political climate, but it's you know, if if you know your history, it's that's like the the origins, like, you know, of of life. Uh, it, it's just it's just really fascinating to to think about and oh I gotta mention yeah he is playing in Dallas in late April <laughs> yeah like like a day oh, or two before dude. the the tournament for and the concert that we're doing that's music inspired by his yeah he's playing in Dallas I I think that's the wonderful thing about globalization is that you, you, you there can't is have good that, to it. that world yeah because yeah. that's you know what what drived rock and roll and how we got yeah. to that point as far as like, you know, the, the American and the British like audience, like those two different flavors of rock and jazz where it's like, you know, cause jazz is a very, I think it's like one of the, the most purely like American inventions as far as like, you know, our, our country's history. It's hard to argue. Yeah. You know, as far as like moving that like in, into there. Um, yeah. It, it was like just, just this thing where it's like before, like basically laying the groundwork with like um, global like radio and, and those kind of communications like that, that technology allowed like, you know, us to, to hear like other things across the pond yeah, and then like back and forth and just like, like it, they were like the, it, there was a healthy amount of like competition there that like oh, yeah. led, led to where we're at. You want to know some other dope stuff about that group? <laughs> yes, sir. I was going to tell you anyway. <laughs> so Emdu, the band leader who yes. wrote that song. He has a movie that when the title is translated to English, yeah. it is essentially blue rain with a little bit of red in it. So mm. he has like a, a an African homage movie with his own soundtrack to Purple Rain. Oh. The guitarist. Wow. The guitarist, Um, I think his name is... You should listen Amadou. to the beginning of the episode. We're coming, going full yeah. circle. It's a yeah. long one, folks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, The guitarist, I think his name is Ahmudu Adasan. That could be incorrect pronunciation or spelling or everything. But he yeah. also has his own movie that he wrote and composed the soundtrack for. Okay. Called Zerzura and is super neat. It's on uh, Vimeo, I think. Okay. And uh, the drummer did a jam session with Black Midi on oh. each of their songs. So it's yeah. like two drummers just going off. And that's what you saw on YouTube when we looked that up. Yeah. And the bass player... Um, I believe is originally from America and just helps produce their records. Yeah. And um, each of them have such fascinating stories individually and together. But um, Mdu's first guitar, he handmade out of like bicycle spokes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are are you familiar? Because this is something I, I can relate to with uh, um, who killed Captain Alex and the, the, the Wakaliwood 
films. I've heard the name. I've heard that before, but I have no idea what that is. It, it is very entertaining. Like in the in the world of like video essays and like film criticism. Is it a movie? Uh, yes. Okay. The, uh, as far as like the story and like you know putting stuff into context, like it was made on a budget for, for the, that terminology, but you know they're like you know just a group of Ugandan filmmakers. That that had a, a, oh, a, acquired. Do you know what I'm talking I've about? I've seen the Vice documentary about that group, right? Is it the same yeah. group? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, okay. They have an audience now because people found like they just made DVDs and like the uh, yeah. the, the, the master copies of it are gone. And I'm all about like you know preserving like you know archiving like all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, and and it's like yeah, it's like trying to like un- understand that and you know because because initially like everyone's reaction is like what hot mess is, is going on here as far as the world of like um funny bad movies go but on like it's you know it's if you know what it, it's quite inspiring it's actually. awesome it's, it's super cool yeah because they're just having fun yeah like, they, they're just like we're gonna make like a a a western like action film uh and they're just like what what do we got like okay i assembled a computer with like whatever i'm like yeah that's, that's awesome it's amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree. Um, yeah, I don't remember what that Vice documentary is originally called, but what what was that? What is it? Uh, who killed Captain Alex? Okay, yeah, sick. And it, it's funny, and they know it, and and that's as far as being like transparent. Like they're, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like it's it's yeah. trying to be like you know a little tongue in cheek. Yeah, but they're they're fully aware of that, and it's good to have that self awareness instead of a pretense of like, oh, I want to like you know whatever and it's like well is that really what you want or yeah. no there's so there's so many great outlets for uh, like great art nowadays from all over the world and i i'm i'm so glad that we have situations like this where we can bring up something that somebody may not have found otherwise i had forgotten yeah. about that for years yeah well, I, I visionary icon I, I knew about it like cuz it's like it, it's really interesting like when you when you dig into it it's like there's like a culture of um vjs as the term that they'll use uh like video jockeys not like you know a dj okay. like it's it's that equivalent so there there's like the the original copy doesn't exist but like it, you know they just pass it around and like mm. kind of like with how memes are where it's like just yeah. that that kind of like exchange you can have some pretty tasteful memes you know yeah. some artful memes uh, but it's like, in Michigan. like literally it's, it, it's like just this guy, like, is just like his energy is like, so like, and that's like half of like the entertainment value of yeah. the film. Like, is that, is that his commentary? It's it's like their form of commentary tracks that they're, to my knowledge, isn't a version that exists without the VJ commentary. Oh. And, and so it's like, that's, that's funny. Yeah. It, it's hilarious. It's funny. Mystery it's Science good to Theater. laugh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Neat. Yes, we are all more alike than we'll give us credit for. It's so true. Yeah. Well, uh, are you ready to talk about my picks? Can we take 45 seconds? Yes. I'm sorry. I have to pee again. Yes, Yes, sir. I'm going to pause it and make sure everything's saved and recorded. You got it? Leave this in. Okay. Don't leave this in. (laughs) I I I will not. Welcome back to Tangents the Podcast. Sup, nerds? <laughs> it's Waddle D Wednesday. <laughs> we had mentioned previously as far as like going through an ar- like you know, archives mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes. 
and re reevaluating older music. For those of you who don't know me, I am a huge appreciator of Linkin Park, Mike Shinoda, all, I'm not going to list all their names, but uh, I could, but uh, they had done a lot for me and, you know, just full disclosure, it's like right now they are doing a 20th anniversary edition of Meteora. Um, and, you know, talking about marketability, I, I, I think those guys are way smarter than they'll ever credit themselves for. <laughs> uh, you know, just their, their story is like very interesting, like going through some things I didn't even know, like as a, as a super mega fan, they're kind of setting a precedent. They had done this with hybrid theory, their debut. They're probably like the first band, like I really discovered for myself mm-hmm. as like a young person, nice. you know, talking about the, the internet. There's a, a thing and like I, an intention to what I did. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk on what you thought about this. Uh, you know, I'm just getting all the context out of the mm-hmm. way. This is recorded on the 25th of March. I'd shown you for the 20th anniversary of Meteora, they're doing, you know, they have two singles out now for the release, you know, coming soon. Um, what were your thoughts on that? I had showed you the, the visualizer that they're doing. Again, for my own contextualization. Yeah. The first song's name was... Uh, Lost. Lost. And the second one was Fighting. Uh, Fighting Myself. Fighting Myself. Yes. Right. Meteora. Yeah. So I, I know a little bit about Linkin Park. I know my brother had Meteora on CD. Yeah. And I remember very specific of their huge singles. So I remember Crawling whenever that first came out on VH1 Top 20. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. uh, I was, you know, young. And that's what we would watch on Saturdays with my family. Yeah. So I remember the big ones, Crawling, Numb, the music videos as well, because that's what we saw. Um, And Breaking the Habit especially, that was one of my favorite songs because of the animated video. And um, was that on Meteora is what I'm asking? Yes. Okay. So So I think you're picking up on what, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So Breaking the Habit in particular is the one that I remember because I adored that song and I adored that video. and, And then What I've Done came out what, seven years later? Those are the big ones that I remember. Um, yeah, those are the big three. What about Giving Up? Which record is that? Uh, that's uh, Minutes of Midnight. Oh, so that's also with What I've Done. Uh, what I've Done. What yeah, I've done. yeah, yeah. That's 2007. Yeah. That was 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. So um, the takeaways that I had from... Man, I already blanked. The first one was called Lost, Lost. and the second one was Fighting Myself. Yeah, there's a reason. I mean, it was Lost. I'll I'll explain, and I'll put the interview down, but yeah. These these songs, and hearing Chester sing as he always did with so much heart, and also like how he maintained his his, um, control with that much grit. I can't sing with grit. I just can't do it. My throat isn't built for it. Yeah. Um, But... The 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 heart and the lyrics, hearing and thinking through my minimal knowledge of their catalog, how much pain was expressed through all that, yeah, and then to his end, um, hearing even more songs where it's it's essentially just expressing like a level of self loathing. Is, is, is how I, I perceived it. And, yeah. and again, contextualizing it to his passing uh, is 
is tragic. And with Lost, as far as I could tell, that was that was a song that was produced enough that they could have released it. For whatever reason, you know, uh, CD, uh, record labels love to not release whole songs or whole albums. Yeah. And that's a whole thing. But um, Fighting Myself, I definitely heard how they could have potentially produced it more. Um, but it makes sense that they decided to bring them back in this situation. And the videos I thought were very interesting to watch, but they're visualizers and not videos. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they definitely, for me, raised questions, but not as many questions as I would have liked because sure. my mental reference is still breaking the habit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that was so neat. Yeah. And uh, I was also eight <laughs> or something. So I thought that they were very heartfelt and good songs. And I, do, do you have any idea if they ever still played them after that? Oh, uh, yeah. Like so the, They were still they, live songs. Then. They did a good job of balancing, you know, again, like, like, again, I'm very biased. I'll be the first person to admit that. But, you know, from my perspective, it's like they, you know, the, those songs, like it's like, of course, with the the tour for the album, they're going to play a lot of the stuff from the new album. But it's like the, they knew what was popular, like as far as like what resonated with their audience. Um, Depression. And, and <laughs> 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 I, I, yeah, uh, exactly. And it's like, you know, th- they're fully aware of that and just wore that like on their sleeves. But I think that level of like, honestness like scared people <laughs> you know as as far as like the the negative reactions to some of it because in in the 2010s they were not as popular which is fine uh, when you reach a level that high it is not likely that you'll reach that same height often no especially not with a band and and you know of course they're gonna do things to maintain mm-hmm. their success and their families you know but it's like the Again, it was it was on their terms. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they they always did something uh, as far as like having challenging music um, for you know for mass appeal. Uh, uh, again, I think it's a masterclass in that. Well, I, I, I have a question. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that the that the that the band that the the people involved in the band yes. connect well with the fan base. Sure. Do you feel like these songs? Well, how do you how do you feel about them releasing these songs in particular? It, it's very personal. Like it feels like an earnest. Like of course, like you know, I I paid the two hundred dollars to pre-order it, but like that's my decision. <laughs> that's like, a lot of money. It, I mean, it's quite a lot. But like you know, I, I'm again, not saying too much. I know it, it. It's crazy. I, it 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 really is like wild. But I'm like, yeah, that that means enough to me. Because uh, again. With the first one, you know, during interviews during COVID, you know, Mike Chidota is like, like, why, like, why, why would we make a box set and just <laughs> digging through stuff? Because uh, I mentioned to you before we started recording, um, you know, their fan base and having their own fan club that they'd started, like, you know, kind of grassroots. It was started by fans, but they kind of organized it, of course, um, you know, to have things on on their terms would have like a CD like every year until Jester passed away. Um, and a lot of the later ones like, you know, feature demos and it, it's, it's almost like liner notes. It's, it's, it is like that, um, you know, thing of like, you just, you just listen to it, like, you know, just instrumental tracks or like whatever. It's like, here's the process. It's like, you know, if, the, if you're interested in that, 
you know, they just provided that kind of thing and had that level of engagement <laughs> going into yeah. the new millennia, uh, which is amazing. So for, for these two songs, Lost, uh, you're right. So in, in this interview I saw when Lost came out, it was between that song and Numb to be put oh, on the record. Oh, really? Yes. And it's like, so again, it's like, you know, just good way of like recontextualizing this old music. Yeah. Because yeah, like it was well produced, you know, because that's probably the huge single. They ended, that's the album closer, Numb. I would consider Numb to probably be their most universal track, right? Uh, yes. And and kind of some of the history is like, uh, if, you know, if you knew, you knew. Uh, a lot of this stuff had like leaked forever ago and, you know, just fans like were just wanting more and they like it had been passed around. So it is kind of like a celebration of that. And the, you know, the band will acknowledge that. That's awesome. Yeah. That it's like, okay, here, here's this like 20 years later in an official capacity. Like, it's like, you know, these people that had memories of it, you know, just being passed along online. It's like, here you are in like the most cleanest version of it possible to you um and so with that it's like you know the, the visualizer if, if you watch it on youtube it's you know using ai assisted stuff with like the the anime like filter mm-hmm. um but a lot of it was like behind the scenes footage of them working on meteora pretty much that's and, what i was wondering because yeah. it, it looked exactly like for lost yeah they looked like the the like shots of them live mm-hmm. with an ai filter on it yes uh, and it, it's like kind of like a- acknowledging um, that history specifically, like, you know, w- with breaking the habit. The only hesitation that I have, and um, not for the sake of being rude, but for the sake of it being sure. a discussion that I'll just, I'll say what I mean first yeah, and then yeah, I'll yeah. explain after. Sure, sure, sure. I was not pro the AI animation choice. Fair enough. I understand that that is a snowball that can never be stopped. I also believe that if you disagree with something, you should say you are against it. But also, it's a situation where it's like, this is an unstoppable force. I'm not going to endorse it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it would have been cooler if it was hand-drawn, like breaking that. Well, I, I don't even know how that was done. That may have been done with... <laughs> uh, it wasn't done with AI, obviously. No, but. obviously not. Well, that's why it's like, the, I'd say assisted, because there, there is like a, a connotation where it's like, oh, you just... Put in the computer and then right because that's where I'm like where I I think it's interesting. Um, There's definitely a balance to all of these things, which is why me hearing that is just based on my minimal quantitative knowledge. Yeah, that's totally fine. Like it it is scary and it, it's challenging to deal with. But again, it's like the, the 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 assisted part of that term is like you know it's like you're 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 selecting like you the way it was implemented in fighting myself where it's like you have just like images that are they're moving like as right. as a visualizer you know it's like because these are old songs. It's like, you know, they are put it like, you know, with that context, it's like, you know, there's only so much money in the world to, to do this. But, you know, if you're going to, it's like, I, I think what was interesting and what I noticed and with that is like kind of like the way, like the, the phenomenon, uh, peril, I lie. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but, um, or pareidolia. Basically, I'm not familiar. The brain looking for patterns in like seeing images. And I think with the assisted like part of that, or like, in fighting myself, if you watch that very carefully, this isn't too deep, but I, I just interesting, like the way that that's done, you know, it's, it's moving and it's, it's forming these things and, and your brain's kind of trying to figure it out. 
Mm. And and that's that's where the balance is that you can't just make <laughs> something like, you know, just put it in the computer like just yet and it, it's it's not there. Like we're we're not there yet. So in these times when we're having like as far as like using it to your advantage, again, it, it makes it more like if, if if that's the platform you're listening to it on, it's like it's like yeah, like I pick out like like for like a frame. You see, like, you know, you mentioned, like, Kingdom Hearts when we were first watching. It definitely gave me the... Yeah. yeah. Like, as far as, like, that that um, aesthetic, if you've watched, like, the video, it's, like, you're you're picking out these little, like, things here and there, like, as it's it's changing. And, like, it, you're subconsciously, like, it's trying to form something, but it's, like, it, it's not quite there. Yeah. I think that's reflective. Which I thought that was interesting. I yeah. did like that. Yeah. I, I, I think that's very representative of, like, doing something new with the old. Yeah. As far as, like... Yes. Right. Yeah. It feels like a for, again for my minimal knowledge, it feels like a lot of their songs are kind of processing of guilt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is, and that's sort of like the the introspection part of art, as far as um, asking the right questions, specifically asking the right questions. It's like, do you do you think it's time to end the episode? What else would you like to say? I know it gave you open ended. Yeah, questions. I don't, I don't know. Sorry. I don't know how to. I don't know how to. I don't know. I don't know what to say to close. I will say. It's been really interesting to meet someone so suddenly with so many similar interests. Sure. And that's fun. It's wild. And that's part of what is great about having a community that's very art and media driven is it's a it's an immediate way to find common ground no matter what else is different. Yeah. There's only so much you can do like I I think with the discourse that had happened in the last 3 years like in the world. There's only so much that you can say online. That's that's not a new idea. <laughs> But it's like that really had been put to the test. But I what, think. what you say on microphone or off is reflective of what gets pushed forward. Yeah. Say I what agree. you feel like is important. Joseph, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, thank where, you. Where can people find your music? My name is Joseph Fisher Schramm. You can find me on all of the major streaming services under my own name. On Spotify in particular and on YouTube, I have different playlists that uh, on YouTube, it's live performances. So mm. it includes not just me with my band, but other people with whom I've collaborated. Yeah. On Spotify, I have a playlist called And I Helped. And it's <laughs> a playlist of a bunch of songs that are not under my name. So I either guessed it or produced or orchestrated, whatever. Yeah. So again, now that I'm at a point where I'm kind of like letting the quote unquote Joseph Fisher Schramm work take a backseat yeah. to celebrate everyone around me. Those are the things that I'm kind of more excited about is look at all of this stuff that I've been lucky enough to do with these other people. Yeah. Um, the board game soundtrack will be super fun. Um, I don't want to give too much of that away yet, but those are the things right now. TXYZ, Envies, Court Huang, Miles Kennedy, your boy. Yeah. I had a lot to talk about because there's a lot to cover one so could talk forever with the right person. Well, thank you for the delicious coffee, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. For those who follow me on Instagram, uh, I love coffee. <laughs> you Not should literally. reword that sentence. <laughs> I, <laughs> what do you do with coffee? <laughs> I, I don't think I want to use that cup. <laughs> I do love a good cup of coffee. Who made that? Or where were, where were those beans? Uh, from uh, Island Roasters in um, Richardson. That was awesome. Yeah. Those are good beans. Thank you. I'm glad we got to spill the beans. Hey. That's the end. Thank you for all for listening again. Uh, it's been wild. It's going to be a fun time. 
Oh, yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, my name is Silence. It's spelled S-I-J-L-E-N-C-E. And my name is Osef. <laughs> should just do like a pig Latin stuff. You know, <laughs> all, that good, all that good stuff. Each day uh, on I, the bus page. Yeah, I guess I should probably save this. Did you not save it? And goodbye.